Hey everybody, Ashton Gustafson here and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Thank you for joining us. Grateful you're here. If this is your first time, the water's warm. Come on in. I, um, we got a lot to cover today. Uh, first off, this is the beginning of our fall season. Is it okay? Can we just create a season out of nowhere? Um... I've, I feel like I've been a bit in hibernation mode when it comes to the podcast, um, but my oh my, we've got some beautiful souls coming your way uh, this fall, and uh, I'm super excited to bring them. We'll be attempting to do our best to have a post every week between now and the end of the year. And um, it seems like uh, with my schedule and everything that goes on, heavy spring, heavy fall, summer tends to be crazy, uh, but hopefully we can find our footing here and get back to some rhythm. So for those of y'all that uh, have been here for many years, thank you. Super grateful for your presence. For those of you that may be new here, uh, we, we are just curious as to what goodness, truth, and beauty is up to in the world. We are the last ones to claim we've got the market cornered on anything that wisdom has to offer or maybe up to in the world, but we want to affirm wisdom, goodness, truth, and beauty anywhere and everywhere we find it. So that's who we are. That's what we're doing here. Um, today's episode, so th this is going to be fun and interesting, I hope, Um I woke up today, and uh, I, I knew this day was coming, um, and I kind of wondered how we could navigate it here at the podcast, but really, the this place, this community, this idea uh, was birthed um, out, of, out of a rough patch, which happened to start 10 years ago today. Uh, so we're recording this today, August 29th, 2022. August 29th of 2012. Uh, I think I've shared some of this here before. Um, but that was when my world began to crumble. And uh, what I mean by that is what I thought my world was. Um, and so, like... <laughs> It's so hard to, to chat about this because it, it's uh, uh, it, this comes for all of us. Th this is the archetypal path of what it means to be human. That that, that there there will be a moment, an event, a season uh, of of loss, of death, of. Uh, uh, you having to come to the end of who you thought you were so that you can actually realize who you've always been. So let's say that again. It's coming for all of us, right? We, we either get this uh, on our deathbed at the last breath or, or maybe, maybe something crosses our path, a moment, an event, a season where we come to the realization that we are not the avatar we've created. That actually, um, you in your essence, at the soul level, who you've always been and who you always will be, Father Richard calls this the immortal diamond. The, the, so many of us have referenced this as the soul. Uh, Thomas Merton calls this the true self. What, whatever you need to do, maybe it, maybe you've come to know this as love, maybe you've come to know this as light, maybe you've come to know this as a child of the divine. The words are helpful, but they are not necessary. What's necessary is that who we think we are melts away, and who we actually are begins to emerge in the world. And so this happened for me 10 years ago, and uh, I, I hate saying it, it happened in a day. It was about an 18-month process, um, and uh, I thought on this 10-year anniversary 
what are 10 things I could share that I've learned in the last 10 years? Because at some point, uh, almost every interview we do here, we get back to the conversation of true self, false self. Uh, we get back to the conversation of uh, uh, learning about the pain body. We, 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 it comes back to ego. And so, um, if it's okay with you guys, today's episode is just 10, 10 random things I wrote down this morning that um, I think I know. Or maybe I should say I've experienced to be true. That's better. I've experienced to be true over the last 10 years. And maybe for you and your journey, that one of these could help lead you to a lighter and brighter way. Parentheses. This happens more than once in our lives. You, you, you realize you just have to this, has to, this has to happen once. You have to have a great dying moment a tragedy, uh, 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 the world as you defined it gets redefined. Father Richard teaches this, you've got the first death, and then the second, third, and fourth, and fifth can do you no harm. And so let's just right out of the gate before we get going here, come chatting about as, as we learn who we truly are, as we learn our essence, as, as we learn how to identify those places in our lives where we are over-attached at the ego level and, and we learn to step back as we learn to detach from our, from our obsessive and overwhelming thinking, as we learn to detach from our labels, as we learn to detach from our measuring models, as we learn to detach from our Excel spreadsheets and everything that we think we are, we actually have to do this over and over and over Maybe it comes seasonally. We have to learn to do this. Maybe, but if we're honest, I get to do this a hundred times a day. So you get the big one. And then fortunately, the second, third, and fourth, and fifth deaths can do you no harm. And so here we go. Ten years ago. Ten years ago, I was confronted not with who I was, but with who I wasn't. And I think that's key when we start diving into conversations about the true self, is you only kind of learn the true self once you're first identified or introduced to the false self, if that makes sense. I had to learn I wasn't this machine that produced things. I, I, and I'm still in sales, but I had, I, I had to learn at some point, I am not the production. I am not the sales production numbers. I'm not the number of sales on the sales board. I, I, another thing I had to learn that I wasn't, I wasn't the life of the party. <laughs> Maybe that was the hardest one to detach from. I wasn't the great entertainer. It was far more mysterious than that. And so we got to have a practice every single day that brings us back to remembering and simultaneously unlearning who we think we are, the roles, the labels, the bios, the business cards, the at the at mention, the at handle, whatever whatever they are, the handle at Instagram, the handle at Twitter, the the, the mom, the dad, these are all constructs, and they're okay, and, and, and a lot of times they're beautiful. These are not bad things, but they, they, they are not the whole enchilada. They, they are the contents, but not the container. Excuse me, the container, not the contents. And so here we go. Let's, 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 here's these 10 things. I just wanted to begin with this conversation of the, the finding of the true self often begins with the finding of the false self. You've got to have the mirror held up to you that's, hey, the thing you built, the thing you thought you are, the thing you've worked so hard to build, to polish, to structure, to bring to the market, that's not you. 
that can be detrimental for some of us. I mean, it took me 18 months to kind of get in on the joke on this. But that, that, that it's paramount that we begin there. And so then let us go into two things that I've found about the reemergence into the true self. The first one is this. Your words change. Your words change. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, at, at some level, you start seeing the world with a different set of eyes. And so you, you hear these things always about um, uh, almost everywhere we go, there's a little bit of gossip in the air. Uh, almost everywhere we go, there's a little bit of numeric data in the air. Oh my gosh, did you hear how much he has? Did you hear how much she does not have? Oh my gosh, did you see the... Th- th- this is... You, you, you actually... You start leaving the words of form... And you start using words that are formless. You start finding yourself swimming in words of of joy, of peace, of patience. Uh, uh, there's there, your your words become a bit more spacious, if you will. And so the the telltale sign of the true self is is first you, you watch your words. You can learn very very quickly. Who is speaking, the true self or the false self? If it can be counted, if it can be weighed, if it can be measured, and there's a boast in the midst of that, chances are this is false self lingo. The true self, though, it's, it doesn't weigh anything. It knows that if it cuts a piece of the joy pie out of the universe, somehow the universe actually just replenishes the joy pie with more for everyone else. You, you, you can't exhaust the infinite. <laughs> and so you use words that are heavenly. You, you use spacious light and bright words. These words don't compete. Matter of fact, the, these are words of union. These are holistic words. that you, you start leaving the train of thought that is me and my and mine, and you enter our and, and, and us and the world and the cosmos. You, you, you get this. Uh, it's almost like your, your vision in life becomes a bit more panoramic, if you will. And how we see is how we will speak. And so first things first is, as I've found that our words change, and words create new worlds. So how we see, if it's only my ego eyes that are seeing, chances are the words, the things I'm going to see are going to be ego-driven, and the words that I will use to navigate this world are words of competition, critique, labeling, and that whole game of counting, of weighing, of measuring. But, but the eyes of the true self, and these are soft shining eyes. Let's call them the eyes of heaven. They see with peace. They see with joy. They keep no records of wrong. So right out of the gate, how many times a day, and I still do this, how many times a day do I begin a sentence with, can you believe, and then fill in the blank. Can you believe they, those are words of the ego. The true self goes, yeah, it'll be all right. Same thing happened to you 10 years ago. You're going to be all right tomorrow. Spacious, airy, heavenly words. Your, your words change. Bullet point number one. Bullet point number two. As the true self emerges and the false self melts away, we begin to exchange certainty for mystery. We begin to exchange certainty for mystery. The the longer I'm on my faith journey, the more I've come to realize that the, the opposite of faith is not disbelief. 
Do you believe this? Do you believe that? Oh, you're a man of great faith because you believe whatever doctrine, this or that. No, no. The opposite of faith is certainty. And when we can let go of certainty, demanding answers, what happens is, 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 is we're opened up to mystery. And, and it's, it, it may be the most beautiful paradox of all, is that you just, you know that you don't know. And, and you realize that at some point your questions, beautiful questions, become your beautiful answers. So you stop navigating for all of the right answers, and you begin on just this path of the hero's journey, which is, I'm just going to start stepping and we'll see where this thing goes. And how many of us, we, we and listen, it's not our fault, right? I mean, uh, uh, you 18 to 22 years, for many of us, we, we go somewhere for eight to nine hours a day, and at the end of the class, there is what? A test. And there is an answer. There's a right one, and there's a wrong one. There's not a median. There's there's not a in between. Maybe in writing. Maybe if there's a writing test, you can kind of pose some questions here and there. But for the most part, we live in a world where if it's a multiple choice option, only one of those is right. And what I've found at the soul level as the true self emerges is that as we exchange certainty for mystery as we as we start giving ourselves just a little bit of a chance for things to be not as certain as we thought they are all of a sudden there's there's a little bit more play that happens there's a little bit more joy it it when we know that it's not all on us i think a lot of times in the faith journey we're kind of told, you got to go do this, this, and that, that, and do it this, and do that, and do you love God, and do this for God, and you do this, and that, and that, and this will happen. No, it, it's actually way more mysterious than that. And remember that mystery isn't the inability for something to not be known. Mystery is infinite knowability. Mystery is the constant turning of the page of wisdom of every day being a little bit more aha than the last, but never, never putting the period at the end of it, unless the word's love, and then I'm all good. Put the period there all you want. But just know that most of our pursuits, they're commas, comma, comma, comma. And then I did this, comma. And then I became that, comma. And then I became this, comma. We, we fear the period. But the true self finds great joy in the commas of our life. That happens when we exchange certainty and put in its place some mystery. Number three. Number three. You just become a lot more expansive instead of being closed. There is no doubt my first 22 years I was not an open person. There was how things are, and you either get with the program or you don't. And it was a very rigid way of being in the world. There were the right ones and the wrong ones. There were the ins and the outs. And we see this. I mean, this, this, is, this is shirts and skins all over again. I mean, this is uh, this is left versus right. This is liberal versus conservative. This is Democrat versus Republican. This is Catholic versus Protestant. It just never ends. If you are not careful, you will see this permeate everywhere. But the true self, it, 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 again, you know, we live in a cosmos that is still expanding, so it, let me just dive off the deep end for a bit. For those of us that m maybe haven't studied a lot of astrophysics, the universe in which you are in is actually still moving outward. It's becoming bigger, while what we are is actually probably becoming smaller. The universe is expanding 
than any of us that use words like our creator, our source, our maker. Um, I think most of us would align with, uh, we, we have no, I mean, we have no way of explaining this, but, but we have a deep soul belief that, that there, there is some sort of maker behind all of this that we are experiencing. Um, and you've been made in that image. So if that maker has created this whole universe that is expanding, well, guess what the invitation for you is? Expansion. However, more often than not in our lives, we stay closed. We, we, we stay small. But the invitation for expansion is spaciousness, is openness, is availability. If you're a leader out there, how great would it be if the characteristics that your speak, people spoke of you were open, available, and spacious? How about this? For us parents, do our children call us available, open, and spacious, or are we closed and small? What a dance we get to walk with kids as we help them navigate all of the craziness of this world. I do think that at the end of the day, what I want my children to, to say of me is that he was spacious in his thinking. He was open in his thinking. He was, he was tailwind for me. He was protection for me, but he was spacious. He was open. He was available. So here's a couple red flags for us. Like red flag number one, when somebody says something, are you, you, are you immediately closed? Eh, nope. Is it, is, it just, is it no all the time? No, 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 no. Anything that doesn't align with your entire world is the statement always no. And I'm not here asking you to affirm something that you don't disagree or align with. What I am asking you to do is to allow another some presence to share something. Because chances are, we are not totally right, and they are not totally wrong. And so what happens when we come to that type of place? A third something emerges, and it's something in between the two, and the color wheel bleeds over from one color into another, and we become something that we weren't before then. A little bit of hydrogen gets with a little bit of oxygen, and water is made. This can heal the world. This can heal the world. The cosmos is expanding, and it's an invitation for you. So bullet number three. The true self is expansive. The false self is small and closed. Yeah, yeah. I like that one, by the way. Um, let's keep going. Bullet point one, your words change. Number two, we exchange certainty for mystery. Number three, we are expansive instead of closed. Number four, instead of being attached and trapped, you become liberated and free. Instead of being attached and trapped, you become liberated and free. It took me 18 months to see just how small the role I was playing was. It wasn't bad. It wasn't even necessarily wrong. I just thought it was everything. And I had, like, for, for months, just, it, it's almost like I was, my, my, my subconscious knew, it was just fighting against this. And it wasn't until August 29th of 2012 that, like, I, I really believe that my body began to just say, this can't go on. You cannot operating, you cannot keep operating out of this consciousness. It's going to kill you. You just keep needing more and more of what's not working. 
And so the beautiful thing that starts to happen as we excavate our essence, we peel the onion back. We, the, the ego melts away. I call it the monkey suit. The monkey, we, we, we detach from our daily monkey suit. We can actually take it off and set it over there and kind of look at it and go, that's interesting. It's got a business card. It's got a website. It kind of thinks it's a big deal. That's okay. But we can become attached and trapped in those costumes. Because they only get us so far. They, they, they will be threatened one day. They, they, we, and I think the subconscious knows that they're going to melt away at some point. They're, they're going to vanish. They are not going to exist. A hundred years from today, if Google still exists, which it probably won't, uh, no one is going to Google who I was. The ego hates hearing that. But the true self goes, finally, let's dance. <laughs> finally, finally that's gone. Ah, it's been hard breathing in this monkey suit. My gosh, walking around ringing doorbells saying trick or treat. Like truly, like this is what we do with our lives, right? We put on the suit, we put the bucket in our hands, we go ring the doorbells and we say trick or treat. And then the true self goes, oh gosh, I'm so glad I don't have that on anymore. I can now breathe. When we exchange being attached and trapped for being liberated and free, we become lighter and brighter. So is there an area in your life right now where you feel attached and trapped? I promise you that is a place of ego. Your true self never, ever feels imprisoned. It knows that the gates of hell are locked from the inside. It knows that. So entrapment, imprisonment, being attached, having a hard time breathing, frustrated, aggravated, really serious eyebrow all the time, um, that's, that's, that's your small self. That's the ego. The true self is never threatened. The true self, uh, you know, just to go through here, the, the, the true self is total expansion. The true self is totally at home in mystery. The true self is total availability to joy. The true self knows that it actually doesn't need everything. Everything it ever need, everything it ever needed is total gift and was, has already been given. That's the good news. That is good news. That is good, good news. If, if, if you are being sold something in a religious tradition that is, hey, check more boxes, become this, become that. I'm sorry, that's low-level, immature religion. Mature religion at its, at its most mature levels is always going to be your home free. There's nothing left to prove. All there's left to do is enjoy. Mm, that is good news. I'm like clapping about this. Number one, your words change. Number two, you exchange your certainty for beautiful mystery. Number three, you become expansive instead of being closed. Number four, you become liberated and free instead of being attached and trapped. And when you are liberated and free, that becomes lighter and brighter. Number five, you become open to options and possibilities instead of being driven by limits. Let's say that again. The box gets opened and you realize there's no box. So you hear the phrase all the time, they're out-of-the-box thinking. They're an out-of-the-box thinker. Um, said better, there's no box. There's no box. How, can you, how could you box the infinite? <laughs> How can you box that which has no end? You can't. And so back to these ego eyes. Uh, ego is always going to see in terms of lines. Lines that we draw. Borders. Uh, frames. Um, but the true self... The true self knows that there's actually, there's a lot of options at play here. And there's a lot of beautiful possibilities. 
So really, it, it's the, it, the true self helps you cultivate the art of possibility. One of my favorite books, by the way. Um, the, the art that maybe there's, maybe there's multiple ways we could do this thing, Right? Maybe, maybe it's raising a family. Like, oh, I don't know. There's only one way to raise these two girls that I've been given. No, I mean, maybe there's not. Maybe there's a lot of different ways. Maybe there, maybe, maybe we can play with this thing a bit. Maybe we could experiment, right? Um, the ego speaks in realms of limits, borders and lines. The true self is borderless. The true self came from that which has no end, Therefore, it has no end. Therefore, its decision-making process thinks through levels that have no end. That's beautiful. That'll help all of us. That, I mean, think in your business, in your relationships, in your families, uh, in your communities, right? Um, the art of possibility. That can help us. That can help us. Number one, your words change. Number two, we exchange certainty for mystery. Number three, we become expansive instead of closed. Number four, we become liberated and free instead of attached and trapped. Number five, we see with options and possibilities instead of within our limits. Number six, this one's interesting. This one took me a while to, to, to learn at the experiential level. Um... It's your presence that will change things, not your opinions. So one of the first things the ego will do when you get uh, some understanding of true self is kind of walk around with a little Pez dispenser offering everyone a little bit of data on how to find more of their true self. Here, you want one of these? You want one of these? The true self? Eat this. Eat this. Take that. Your presence is enough. Your redeeming presence. So what is this? Like, what, what, what are we talking about? The tradition I come from, we would affirm this. Your, your being becomes aligned with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with gentleness, with faithfulness, with self-control. These things are the great attractors. You actually don't have to go uh, 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 banter around and recruit for the team true self. When, when, when someone experiences love, they are changed. When our ego melts away and something patient is emerging that attracts people because they are attracted to that. If someone is not attracted to peace and patience, it, it, that's, it's their ego that you're, you're marking as it's not attracted to that. that everybody's true self is attracted. Like knows like. True self, we, we are this loving dance. This is the music that happens when we come together. And so you don't have to walk around with a vote for the true self sign. You, you don't have to walk around telling people to get it together. The greatest thing that could happen as the false self and ego emerges is that this the you that has always been you, the light and bright you, attracts. And that will do the changing. That will do the changing. So one of the biggest risks we have in all of this is watching the ego camouflage itself. And now that we've detached from our roles and we've detached from the monkey suit and we've detached from who we thought we were, if we are not careful, we will then start playing the ego game all over again by means of, oh, I found the truth and this is the way and everybody needs to get behind it. No, just know that everyone is on their own path. And over time, life will bring them opportunities to excavate their own essence, and you don't have to do 
the bulldozing. You don't have to do the excavation. So it's your presence that changes things. It's not your opinions. What is that presence? And maybe I should say this. It's not your pointers. That's probably a better way to say that. Your presence, your curiosity, your lack of judgment, your openness, your spaciousness, your lightness, your brightness, your love, your peace, your patience. This, my friends, changes the world. And it's a little invitation. And maybe someone's been caught in their suffering and they experience a little bit of your gentleness. Over time, as we play the long game, you may get asked a few questions. And if you get asked a few questions, perhaps you could share some insight. But just know that uh, manufacturing the melting away of the false self is just more ego work. That's just you thinking you get to do this. At the end of the day, it's total gift. It's total grace. And the question is, will you just be awake and aware and conscious enough to allow it? It isn't that the divine is only wanting to excavate and, and, and melt things away in certain seasons of your life. No, the truth is, this is always the work. Unless the grain of wheat dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Your presence changes things, not your pointers. Love, peace, patience, kindness. Allow those to be your redeeming presence in the world. Amen. Number one, your words change. Number two, we exchange certainty for mystery. Number three, we are expansive, not closed. Number four, we are liberated and free, not attached and trapped. Number five, we lead with possibility and not limits. Number six, it's our presence. It's the presence of the true self. And actually, guess what? That isn't your presence. That's the presence of the divine. This is the mind of Christ, how we say it in our tradition. Uh, it's actually no longer you that's there. <laughs> This is why, can you imagine enrolling people in this? Yeah, the thing that you've worked so hard for, and it's got to it's dissolve. Uh, it, it, this, is, this stuff is so hard to teach and even harder to live. Uh, but, it, but it is the way. Oh, it is the way. Um, your presence doesn't change things. I mean, your presence changes things, not your pointers, not your opinions. Number seven. Narrow is the path, and few find it. These aren't my words. You probably know whose words these are. I can tell you, groupthink is always found throughout the scriptures as to be the wrong side of the story. So Jesus is asked these questions all the time. Like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And, and he would respond, you know, with like, I don't know, what do you think? Or the, or the big, the, any time you see that, that uh, the crowd, that you'll, you'll see this word, the crowd, uh, constantly, the crowd murmured, the crowd asked, the crowd was inquisitive. These, these are places where they're, it's, he's, he's about to just flip the script on everybody. And so we need to be aware of the crowds. We need to be aware of where groupthink may be creeping in. Because when we're in groupthink, we, we just affirm what we all already believe. We, we don't have any room for mystery. We don't have any room for expansion. We don't have any room for light to get in because the doors are shut. The windows are closed. We've got the truth in the room here, thank you. We, we don't need any outs, external source to come in here and bring its wisdom. This is why when Jesus says the path is narrow and few find it, I, I feel like the invitation of the narrow path is for you to start walking, for you to go on your wisdom journey, for you to leave the village, leave the cave, go into the wilderness and see what you find. 
And here's what I found on the narrow path. And it took, it, it, this has taken me 10 years to say this, but I wrote it down this morning and it makes so much sense. It's on the narrow path where we find intimacy. The narrow path is where we find intimacy. The narrow path is where you begin to hear the voice. You begin to hear the voice that tells you your name before you never had a name. And you go, what's that name? Eh, love, light. I mean, it is. this is good news. This, again, this is good news. When I'm in the crowd, when I'm, at the, when I'm in the, proverb, or the, the cocktail party, I've got the business card, I've got the bio, I've got the monkey suit, I've got all of this that has to be navigated. The, the, the crowd, I don't know my name. I know my label, but I don't know my name before I had a name. On the narrow path, without a doubt, I hear the name before I had a name. So as we navigate our relationships, I mean, isn't it true you're probably going to have about three close friends? Maybe one. I don't know. But you're not going to have 10,000 or however many Facebook gives you. For your spouse, try navigating marriage on the wide path. That's a whip. That does not work. It does not work. Try navigating marriage on the narrow path. You can hold hands. You can choose the playlist you want to dance to. Well, that just clicked with me. When you're in the crowd, when you're on the wide path, you don't get to choose the playlist. Someone else, who's probably an Enneagram 7 or 8, is hitting the playlist and demanding that you dance to that playlist. When, when you're on the narrow path, you can light a couple candles and turn on, to, turn on Sinatra. Man, I'm flexing the four-wing now. My apologies. But the, this is the narrow path. And the narrow path is where life becomes intimate. And, and it's, what a paradox that you actually are no longer lonely. And in the crowd, the crowd, it gets a little lonely. Who am I? What do I do? What am I up to in the world? Am I doing things as big as they are? Am I, is my reach what their reach is? Do I have as much as they have? Do I have as little as they have? Who am I? What am I about? That, that, that's, those are all questions in the crowd on the, on the narrow path. You hear who you are. Behold, I am in you and you are in me. These are things that you hear there. You are loved. You are light. You are enough. All there's left to do is enjoy. The true self knows it's narrow, it's not wide. And maybe the hardest work for us today is identifying the wide roads we are on. Doesn't mean you can't go there ever so often. You just need to know where home base is. You just need to know where home base is. Ah, number one, your words change. Number two, we exchange certainty for mystery. Number three, we're expansive and not closed. Number four, we're liberated and free, not attached and trapped. Number five, we lead with options and possibilities, not with limits. Number six, our presence changes things, not our pointers, not our opinions. Number seven, narrow is the path and few find it. Wide is the way of destruction. Number eight. As much as we've used words here, <laughs> uh, uh, you've heard it said before, tell the truth, but tell it slant. To, uh, all metaphors limp. So do all words. So if we aren't careful, the, the true self actually can't be described. Because if we could 
construct it and describe it, then we would fall in love with that. Then, then that, that's a whole other thing for the ego to hold on to. Even words are form. So we got to be careful. Got to be careful with these words that we use, that we hold them lightly. We allow them to be guiding lights, but we, we don't demand that they are 100% accurate. The eighth bullet point is there is a place beyond understanding, and that is peace. And this is the peace that the world cannot give. So I read the journal almost every day. I watch CNBC more than I ever should. I'm constantly seeking data and information. Hopefully, hopefully I'm seeking more wisdom than data and information, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm seeking these things. Um, the true self is actually inviting you to a place that's beyond comprehension. It's inviting you to a wordless experiential knowing. The more you can describe it, the higher the likelihood is that it's your ego doing the description because then you've done it. Then you've arrived. Then you're there. Again, spaciousness, availability, beyond description, wordless knowing, beyond understanding, there is peace. And we say this all the time, right? You know, a peace that's beyond understanding. You actually want that. And so if there's areas in your lives where you just go, I just don't get it, I don't understand, you may be on the right path. Pursue peace in the midst of that understanding. That's the water you want to swim in. The true self is totally okay not having the words. The true self is totally okay living in metaphor. The, the true self is totally okay just being in the place of love and light, which both are beyond our descriptions. So number eight is the invitation is a place beyond understanding. So I've given you seven bullet points now <laughs> using words, but I'm also totally okay if words melt away. That wordless experiential knowing, this will become the mind of Christ. This will become the uh, panoramic view of the world. This, this is where joy and peace and patience and all of the fruits of the Spirit emerge. Place of mystery. There it is again. It's so mysterious. And it's going to take a lifetime and you don't even get it all while you're here. That's the beauty of this is that it's the eternal school of love. The eternal school of love is a place beyond understanding. Your words change. Exchange certainty for mystery. We are expansive instead of closed. Liberated and free instead of attached. We lead with possibility instead of limits. It's your presence that changes things, not your pointers and your opinions. Narrow is the path, not the wide way of the crowd. Number eight, beyond understanding, there is peace, and this is not the peace that the world can bring you. Number nine is this. Death and life are two sides of the same coin. <laughs> so, uh, fall is almost here. Um, I, oh, I just love the fall. My goodness. Thank God for the fall. Um, I read a Rumi poem not long ago, and, and one of the words in that poem, one of the sentences was, what dies in autumn comes up in the spring. Because this way of saying no becomes in spring your praise song, yes. What dies in the autumn comes up in the spring because of this way of saying no becomes in the spring your praise song, yes. What dies in autumn comes up in spring because this way of saying no 
becomes in spring your praise song. Yes. Unless the grain of wheat dies, it remains just a grain of wheat, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Death and life are two sides of the same coin. This may be the most mysterious paradox for us as humans to navigate. But just realize that um, as Father Richard teaches, once you've been able to absorb the first death, the second, third, fourth, and fifth will do you no harm. So we die before we die. We die to who we thought we were so that who we actually are gets to emerge. This is a... Uh, and, and, and listen, death and life being the side of, same side of, two sides of the same coin, uh, same with beginning and endings. Same with beginning and endings. Something begins, but something becomes new. Our earth literally communicates this to us. It is baked into creation. And so anything that is how nature works, it teaches, it speaks. This, this should tell us how things are. Death and life, both sides of the same coin. Your words change. You exchange certainty for mystery. You become expansive instead of closed, liberated and free instead of attached and trapped. You lead with possibility and not limits. Your presence changes things, not your pointers and your opinions. The narrow path is the way of life. You can hear your own playlist there. You can dance with a few that you've been entrusted there. You can walk with a few that have been entrusted there. Beyond understanding, there's a peace. Death and life are two sides of the same coin. And then number 10, you know where we're going. It's simple and quiet. If it's chaotic and complicated, it's probably on the level of form. It's probably on the ego level. It's probably uh, uh, a little exhausting. A chaotic and complicated way of being in the world will always be exhausting. That, when I was 29, on August 29th of 2012, my life was chaotic and complicated. And guess what? A lot of days, my life is still chaotic and complicated. The difference is, is now I know it. I can flag it when it happens, and I can say, that's not, that's not my narrow path. That's not, that's not a way of saying no, that in the spring becomes a praise song, yes. No will make our life, excuse me, yes will make our life, no will save our life. It's always a dance between yes and no. There's paradox again, death and life. <laughs> it's simple and quiet, it's not chaotic and complicated. So for your life, for your vocation, for your families, for your relationships, for your weekend plans, for what you're going to have for dinner, for how you're going to be in the world. Here's our litmus test. Is it chaotic and complicated? Or is it simple and quiet? If you ever watched a garden and just stared at it while it did its thing, whether it was flowers, roses, vegetables, different plants, the species, whatever, whatever they are, you would find that it's really not chaotic and complicated. Some things get planted. Someone that doesn't happen to be you moves the sun and the moon. Someone that doesn't happen to be you 
brings some rain, blows the wind, then you did some sowing. Yeah, you sowed something. But you didn't grow it. And you do get to harvest it. And you do get to enjoy it. And this is the dance between human and divine. This is how we co-create our lives with the divine. We plant some seeds. We plant some mystery. We plant with words of expansion. We plant with a lighter and brighter soul, one that's liberated and free. We plant with possibilities. We plant with redeeming presence. We plant on our narrow path. We plant knowing that there is a place beyond understanding. And we arrive at a garden full of bounty, full of beauty that not only sustains us, but brings great, great meaning and great, great joy. So 10 years ago, I found out who I wasn't. Only took me 29 years. (laughs) I found out who I was not. And every day is a journey trying to emerge from that place of who I actually am. And so you don't turn your back on the false self. You don't, you don't throw it out. You, you just honor it. You honor your functions in life, your role, your label. But you realize that's just tapestry. There's, there's actually a light that shines through, and that's the true self. When we identify with the film stock, the avatar, the tapestry. That's where things go sideways. And so as we take the image of a cross that has a horizontal line that is how we, in our transient small selves, are ever-changing Our functions are changing. Our roles are changing. I mean, just think about it. Think about how different your role is now from when you were 10 years old. Your function changes. Your role changes. It's all the horizontal line of past and future as we think about the shape of a cross is is always changing. It's always in flux. And then you have this vertical dimension. Let's call that the line of the sacred that intersects the very place where you are. We'll call that the now. So your horizontal self, your function, your role, your past self, your future self, it's always changing. Unfortunately, it's labeling and naming and critiquing everything. The tapestry, the film stock, the avatar, that's all on the horizontal level. It's that place of presence where the sacred and divine intersects our humanity. Where there is no past, there is no future, there's just now. And that's where you're supposed to be. So you ground yourself in your breathing, because breathing is its own both and. There's inhale, there's exhale, all the way speaking the name Yahweh, the name of the divine, the unspeakable, the name beyond words, the name that you also happen to bear, the image that you've been made in, it's all available in the now. So may we detach from our horizontal selves. May we leave our past tense and our future tense consciousness. May we breathe into the intersection 
of where the sacred and the divine hits our humanity. And may something mysterious, may something expansive, may something light and bright emerge and shine through the tapestry. Shine through the ego. Shine through the form. Shine through the role. Shine through the label. Shine through the film stock. And be the redeeming presence in the world. Grace and peace, my friends.